Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Darren Gallup, founder and CEO of Carbide, a leading information security and data privacy company. And they help businesses navigate the complex landscape of data protection, compliance, and cybersecurity. Oh, here we go. Darren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hi, oh, so, so welcome. Can you expand a bit more on that introduction and let people know, you know where you are with your business today and the kind of people that you love working with? Yeah, no, great. I mean, that was that was a that was a great introduction. You you really did your research. Um yeah, so where I'm at with my business, we're we're somewhere mid-30s in terms of size of employees. We have close to 200 customers right now. Um, we've raised, uh, some friends and family, some pre-seed and then the seed round of capital in 2021. We basically, we work with businesses as small as five or six people and as, and probably the average business is somewhere around 60, 70 people. And then we have businesses that are a couple of thousand people in the business. And they, I, I really like working with companies, that are doing cool, innovative stuff. A lot of our customers are, they're building interesting SaaS companies, whether it be something in the health tech, med tech space or FinTech, there's HR tech. We have companies in manufacturing. Um, Yeah, just really across the whole gamut. A lot of SaaS companies, I'd say about 90% Mm. plus SaaS. And then quite a few companies also that are sort of like modern remote consulting firms where they are actually getting access to quite a bit of data, um, data, whether it's personally identifiable information or other confidential information. And so over the last couple of years, things have gotten a lot more complicated for small companies trying to innovate because you have, you have a few things going on. One of the things you have is that just there's been so much hacking activity. There's like the hackers have caught on that, like, you know, the old school Pablo Escobar way is not the best way, not the best life of crime. And that there's actually tons of money to be made hacking individuals and companies. And the chances of getting caught, if you follow, you know, some couple of basic best practices as a, you know, as a cyber criminal, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot easier, it's a lot harder to get caught than it is, say, you know, trying to smuggle drugs over a border or, you know, rob a bank or any of these types of things today, which, you know, you have a high probability of being caught. And so, so yeah, there's, we're, we're living in a world where so much is happening online. Everybody, everything is basically online. So much is in servers or in data systems. 
and you've got cryptocurrencies, which facilitate the process of moving cash in less mm. identifiable ways. Um, and you've got an, an, you have a global economy that's struggling and you've got all these people like, you know, through the pandemic, it, it put a lot of people in a lot of tough positions. And you've got this growing divide between the rich and the poor. You've got all these like global financial and other types of problems that desperate times lead to desperate measures. So you have a lot of people being recruited into these groups, these criminal groups. Um, there's even now cartels in, 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 in South America and gangs. Uh, organized criminal groups that uh, you know are replacing a lot of their traditional income um, mm. factories, like you know, smuggling okay, hold, and hold on, hold on. You are now scaring the crap out of me. So t- tell me, there's some good news in all of this, right? Good news. Um, well, so but I guess the one piece of good news that I have is there's also a lot because of all this criminal activity. There's also a lot of growth in terms of preventive. Um, material and training and mm. products and platforms and more people getting involved in, in the skill of ethical hacking or being on the good side. So um, yeah, there's a lot of developments there. And there's also a lot of developments in regulations, which is long overdue, but we've had both the nefarious, uh, the protection from the nefarious user, but also the the corporate world of, of espionage, of using per- people's habits and, 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 and data in, in, questionably unethical potential ways. Uh, you have a lot of regulations out there and a lot of rules that companies need to follow now. And so companies are being either taking it upon themselves to take much greater initiative to look after data, which was not a thing really to, like not mm. that long ago. A lot of the companies were really lax. We've had a lot of big companies that store a lot of confidential information, have data breaches, and quite frankly, in the whole reconnaissance or in the whole process of reflecting on what they were doing or what they were not doing, they weren't really doing much to look after customer data. So that world uh, on the fortunate side is changing. So you have the bad guys are getting um, are growing in number and they're getting better tools, um, much better tools. The AI tools are really taking their abilities to the next level, but also you have a huge growing industry of cybersecurity professionals in all kinds of different domains within the space. A lot of products, a lot of awareness, a lot of rules and regulations being put out there that are designed to protect people. So as much as there's a lot of challenges out there, there's a lot of risks out there in the cybercrime mm. area, there's a lot more resources and way people ways people can upskill themselves and protect themselves, protect their businesses, protect their, their families. So uh, it's going to be the sitting ducks that uh, the weak the the ones who are not uh, paying attention that are that are going to be more and more uh, the ones preyed upon. Yeah, this is a fascinating industry. What was it that prompted you to want to you know, say this? This is the company that I want to build. This is my area of expertise. What what was it? Yeah, so I mean, I have a very I think unique background for this space. I used to be a professional musician in my twenties. I was end up being a, a music producer for years on a record label. And that was that was sort of all happening in, in the midst of the last big economic downturn, 2007, 2008. My label, I mean, the whole ass just fell out of the music industry altogether mm-hmm. in the first place. So this that business started off really exciting with a lot of like early success, but then really everything started to come undone pretty quickly come 2007. In 2008, I started my first SaaS company, 
software as a service company. And in 2008, like enterprise SaaS was not to, like was nowhere what it is today. So um, the 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 idea originally was to have a product that was for music uh, musicians and artist managers to manage their roster uh, and have some efficiency. But really tough market also broke and uh, you know you want markets that have money we actually pivoted to music festivals and by 2014 we were working with burning man and bonnaroo and coach tell and we had all these you know massive festivals across the us and canada but also in like tons of different countries like australia and, and germany and, and and holland and so on so what really got me into cybersecurity was once we got up into these bigger corporate events that were owned by by organizations like live nation and disney um, and, and we just started getting a lot of questions and a lot of scrutinization around what are we doing to protect their data? And of course, we had a lot of confidential data in that platform. And there were a lot of festivals getting hacked. There was a, a lot of situations where like lineups would be leaked before they were contractually allowed to, 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 yeah, yeah. to announce their lineups. And I mean, I mean, I still remember like, you know, news bulletin comes up, Bonnaroo lineup leaked like four months before yada yada and i like just throw up in my mouth and immediately because i was like uh, i could we may be the reason they leaked like there's we're one of the supply chain of all of these moving parts and we have this whole we have in our platform what artists are being you know playing the contractual information all the stuff mm -hmm. right so it, it was terrifying because there was a lot, it was like more of the thrill hacking. I think like people like, Hey, I hacked Coachella, like more than it was this like crypto lock financial gain type mm. hacking. And, and so we started seeing a lot of those organizations start to come to us at like building out their own security teams, recruiting like very experienced security auditors internally coming after us, you know, interviewing us under security posture. And we, we were just, young, fairly naive, you know, the kind of old school uh, startup mentality, like break shit and like move fast and make it look pretty. And like, you know, we weren't thinking about security, like the way we should have been. And, and so we didn't fare out very well in a lot of those conversations. And in fact, at one point we lost a deal that would have increased our ARR by about 12 or 15% in one deal. And we lost it because like we went in there trying to like bullshit our way through a security audit with some very non-bullshit people. And yeah, we just, we we thought we were cool and we could skate our way around it because I think maybe we had historically in the past, but we yeah. we, we failed and it, and it cost us dearly. And so that was a really huge pain point. And at that point, it was very clear to me that I needed, we needed to get our shit together on the, on the security front. And so because we were a fairly small bootstrap company, in a niche market, it wasn't like we were just going to go out and hire a $200,000 a year chief information security officer. So like, I dove in myself and started figuring all this stuff out and you know, brought in some different consultants and crafted policies and worked with a consultant to build controls and work with my team to, to build better HR practices and better development practices and better server management and putting a, a testing uh, layer in, in effect and all this stuff. And just found it really fascinating, right? Like I think I, I, for some reason, just enjoyed it. And I think like getting into the mindset of thinking about the criminal and the hacker and all that kind of stuff kind of seemed like it had this excitement to me. So like, and I, and I enjoyed the role playing in my mind of like looking at our situation and be like, well, what would I do if like, how would I screw these guys up royally or how would I rob them or 
how would I hack Coachella if I like, you know, start thinking about it that way. And that became really entertaining for me. And so then you could kind of mm. use that mentality to put like, what are, what are the th- layers of defense that we can design? And then I got really obsessed with the idea because as I met with more and more consultants, what I realized is a lot of people in cybersecurity are super dry and, and, and a lot of people in cybersecurity as well, they, they lack the understanding of like, the business, why like the actual business goals, they get really kind of into the cybersecurity. And I found it really entertaining to take such a dry topic that most people push back on and, you know, thought of as like, oh, this is just going to be a bunch of crap to slow us down. I really got into the idea of how do you make this stuff not shitty, right? Like, how do you make it sound more app, like more, more appealing to people? How do you make it seem like something that it's not like strict rules in your cool workplace, right? That mm. you could actually get people on board. And as I looked at more companies and more organizations and talking about security and thinking about security, it became very clear to me that that was one of the biggest problems. It wasn't that it wasn't that we can't companies can't deploy technology to protect themselves. It's like people don't like changing the way they do things, and people like people are very quick to perceive things a certain way. So that really became fascinating to me. I started studying cybersecurity as a bit of a side thing, started reading about it. I took a course online, like through one of these like Coursera slash, uh, you know, partnership with a university kind of certification program. I did that. And then I went and did the following year, this certification called the the CISSP, um, Certified Information System Security Professional. And and that was just really eye-opening, learned a lot about it. And I realized like, like, holy shit, there's so many things that I've done in my life. And there's so many techniques and skills that I can bring to this equation that are yeah. unique. And I think could be really impactful in the space. And that's where that was kind of the moment around that. And it was like, wow, like the world. And I was looking at the trends, like looking at the cyber crime trends going through the roof. Like I think it was 2017 where Interpol estimated that the proceeds in the black market from cyber crime surpassed the entire global illicit drug trade, right? So that was like the precipice point where uh-huh. it's like, you know, out with the old and with the new. And so seeing that and then seeing like this, this panic happening at the uh, in the enterprise world and the government world, looking at all their smaller vendors that they rely on to deliver their products and services and knowing that all these vendors are like my company was, which was like, you know, build shit fast, break shit, get, you know, like. Yeah, like, kind of a bit flimsy with infrastructure, but patch it, yeah. it'll do, it'll be fine, yeah, right? Yeah, fix it later, right? And 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 it just really quickly it became very clear like oh shit like the whole world there's going to need to be the seismic like there's going to be this huge demand blow up around organizations needing cybersecurity and it's like this is a really interesting problem like how can i apply creativity and to this problem in a way where you can make security be something that doesn't feel like a shitty thing that slows everybody down and that's really where the birth of this happened. And right around that time is when GDPR came out. Or not, it didn't, it came out, it wasn't enforceable yet, but it had came out as a piece of uh, legislature in Europe, the General Data Protection Regulation. And it, you know, quite rapidly heightened the, the shitstorm of panic that enterprise organizations were happening around their supply chain because it was going to mandate that you have you're responsible for the, the mess ups, the screw ups of your vendors. And now there's big fines associated with it if, you know, you're dealing with the personal identifiable information of European citizens. Yeah, that, which, that, you know, that point there, let's just jump on that. that. That was a huge point, especially, you know, being in England and, and in Europe, it was, it caused, well, 
some people head in the sand, ignore it. Other people are like, I don't know what to do. And there was that level of just unknown overwhelm with all of this. So yeah. from what you're saying about how can you, with this dry industry, how are you able to eloquently um, and in a good way talk about what it is, communicate effectively all that you need without being seen as too big, too crazy, can't do it, it's too much, it's too complex, it'll never work, whatever it might be, and then I'm out. Because as human beings, if we hit overwhelm, we're out, we quit. So yeah. what was it for you that allowed you to find that that sort of that golden nugget that was, this is the way in, here's how it's done? Well, I, I think initially it was how we did it in our own business, like how I solved the problem in my own company. Because we went through like this fairly standard path that I see a lot of companies go with is where you go like you download security policy templates, you know, like IT security policy templates. And they're like long and they're very generic and they talk in like terminology that's not as modern as most businesses are in terms of their adoption of cloud and remote work mm. and all these things. And yeah, like I was shutting down. I was like, what the hell? Like, how do, how do we implement these things, right? So the exercise that I took out of it was like, okay, well, let's think about the risks in the business. Let's take, let's read all these really dry, somewhat difficult to comprehend controls and start thinking about how can we say them in a language that's applicable and relatable to a business? And how can we distill this down to a, a certain business type? And we focused initially on these like earlier stage B2B SaaS companies. So how do we speak a language that they understand? How do we break up and categorize the various different responsibilities into contexts that are applicable to the folks that already work there in the business? And so that was really the start of it. And we did it, like it was essentially what we did in my last company. We made it a type of thing where everybody became, uh, everybody was on board. Everybody was into it. And, and we were, rel I mean, there were a few bumps along the way for sure, but generally we got to a point where everyone was like, hey, I play a role in this and this is good stuff for me to know because not only will it be good for my for the business and my work, but this mm. is also stuff that I can take home with me and think about in how I protect my own self, my identity, my finances, my family, my, you know, the elders in my family and the more vulnerable in the family and whatnot. So that was like, that was really the, the point of it. And then I, I just started thinking more and more about like, wow, there, we could do what we just did on at scale. How would we do that? And it was like, that kind of led to as a, as, as a person who's already a SaaS software engine or, or you know, entrepreneur, it really led to like, well, you know, what do consultants do, right? They come in, they ask you a bunch of questions. Um, they get a whole scope of understanding of what's going on. Then they go back and they have all their templates and all their libraries of stuff. They do a lot of copy and pasting and a lot of fine replace and a lot of like, it was like, okay, well, we let's do that with a software solution. So, you know, that was really the idea. It was like, let's use a tool that can ask mm. you the questions and then we'll build a matrix in the back that based on, you know, if you do this, then ask this question. If you don't, you know, if you don't do this stuff, let's not put a bunch of bullshit in there that you need to read and get confused about, you know, try to try to deliver the appropriate amount of data in the most digestible way to eliminate that cognitive overload, right? Um, mm. And I'm not saying that I figured it out with absolute perfection to 100%. There still is 
a lot. And, you know, we still see companies that come in that have not necessarily the right thought or attitude in terms of thinking about security. They kind of come in with this like, oh, it's bullshit. Like, we just want to close this deal. We don't want to deal with this stuff. And then they're like, you know, why do we need to do all this shit? Like, you know, we're like, we're a cool 20 person startup and like, we're on AWS. Like, doesn't AWS like deal with all this shit for us? And it's like, okay, pump the brakes. Like, let's, let's talk about what's real here and what's not. And you know, I, I, I love that, that angle, that, that place where you, obviously every business owner wants to work out what's the most effective way. Well, how do we do this? I mean, I'm, I'm joking and laughing with you because it sounds, this is very similar to how you know, the clients that, that we talk to or prospects that, that we talk to, which is, I, I just want to have this end result. I don't want to work on myself, fix myself, cope and manage how I act, what I perceive, how I engage. Most people don't realize that as especially solopreneurs and, and even CEOs, what you do touches every single thing. So can you talk to that for a minute with that aspect of from what you've seen with your clients in those conversations, which is I don't want to do this or I didn't know what to do or I didn't see the impact. For you, yeah. the business owner, and your approach to things, your whatever it's fears, doubts, or trying to do things that are new and different as you build your business, what has that been like for you? Yeah, I mean that's a huge question. So there's a couple of pieces in there that I that I think about when you when you talk through that. One of them is so one of the things I actually I was talking on a on a cybersecurity podcast very recently, and, and we we're talking a lot about like what is well, like you know, one of these questions, what's the most important thing? It's like, well, you need all these things, but I actually, you know, what I said in that in that conversation was. I can actually get a really good sense of the cybersecurity posture of an organization by asking the leadership, like the CEO, president, mm -hmm. whatever you know that role is in the business, a couple of very basic questions about their perception and their thoughts around cybersecurity and how they think about it. If they if they're not on board, they're not practicing it, and they think of it like you know eye roll, pain in the ass, like. Do, do what you got to do to close deals, then chances are very high that their security in their organization is shit because the entire organization also shares that perception. So absolutely, if if the CEO is not following the practices and it's just kind of like, this is just admin crap we need to do, like mm. then everyone else is going to treat it like that and the business isn't going to be secure. So, um, so that's the big one. And, and we get a variety, like we, unfortunately we see a lot of companies that, are coming in the door. They're not doing this because they want to. They're 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 in the process of closing a deal with a Disney or a you know Wells Fargo or some some large organization that has very defined and strict third party risk and security expectations and requirements. And they're mm -hmm. being forced to do a bunch of stuff that they don't feel like they really want to do. And they're kind of coming into it with this like, what's the easiest, cheapest? fastest way to get through this bullshit hurdle in the Just sales process. Just get this tick for me so I can move tick, forward, right? Tick, tick, right? We refer to it, I refer to it as security theater. And we we use that terminology in our business a lot. And, you know, we try to educate organizations of like, you know, it's not going to be enough to do this. Like, trust me, you'll get caught. Like, you won't just be able to send print fancy little reports and expect that people won't come back and ask questions. And so 
we see companies sometimes where they're hoping that our tool is just, you know, press a button and they see a bunch of little green bells and little check marks and abracadabra, right? Like, okay, give me, print out a bunch of shit that I can send to the mm. customer and they're going to close the deal and we don't have to worry about this. But what we do is we, we actually, well, here's all the things that you should be doing. And, and, and I've seen that over, I've seen people go, wait, we don't what, like, uh, 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 what do you mean? Right? Like, and unfortunately, there's been a lot of bullshit marketing in our space where you've got all these companies out there being like a SOC 2 for free or like get your ISO 27001 in two weeks or a month or whatever, or like put your security program on autopilot, like all this bullshit, right? Like be like saying, put your sales or your customer success on autopilot. Like you won't have to talk to customers anymore. Like you're just going to sit back and money's going to come in and everything's going to be super awesome. Right. And say, it's the same. It's like, it's crazy as saying that. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that's been, that's been the, one of the challenges I think we've come across. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the initial challenge in this business has been like, I found this shit exciting. Well, guess what? I'm I'm a bit of a unique individual in this in this in this whole equation. Because why a lot doesn't of everyone else it. get it? Why don't you think like me? Why aren't you excited about this? Like, come on, this is fun. So as as you as you build this, as you come up with that awareness that you know not everyone's as geeky as you and loves this subject so much, and you found a way to sort of bridge that gap. Where's your focus now? Where do you for yourself personally? Where do you see? Um, your focus going with the business. What challenges are you looking forward to, and which ones are you like? Ah, uh, shit! Just like your clients, I know I need to do this, but I kind of don't want to. I'm going to kind of avoid it. What What is that for you? Yeah, I mean, over the last year, it, to some degree, we've given up a little bit on the fight, and we've sort of started thinking about it more selectively. Like, let's focus on what we, we don't want to deal with the people that want to play security theater. Like if you just want some bullshit box checking tool, um, we're, there's, there's probably more affordable options than us. And, and so we changed our thinking around looking at the people that actually care, like actually care about doing the right thing and actually being a company that has a solid security program and, and, and has the, you know, sees that attachment to the ethics and values, right? Because what's happening now, and 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 I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be, and is starting, we're starting to see it already, is going to be the thing in our business that really sets us apart. And I already see it in the customers we we bring in, right? Like the world is changing, and the the whole the whole idea of like the bullshit security theater thing is is not going to hold ground for much longer. And we see companies now that are they're thinking about it more like, and their boards are thinking about it. Their investors are thinking about it. They're getting more thoughtful questions from their customers, not just mm. like send me a report so I can put it in a file folder. So if something bad, Sounds like everyone's getting a bit more educated. Everyone's having that awareness yeah. and understands that a little bit more. Yeah. And, and, and that's really cool. I like seeing that. We love working with companies. Our favorite companies to work with are the ones that don't come in. Like they, they don't want to do the minimal viable. They want to do what they should do. And, you know, we're seeing companies now that are signing security addendums where you're actually signing a contract. And in that contract, there's a whole section around what you're doing to protect their data or what you're doing to comply with whatever data privacy regulations. And so, it's not just like it's it's not just a sales thing anymore. You're actually making a commitment and as a business and and more and more founders and 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 leaders are seeing that. It's the same thing as if you say, hey, we're gonna give, you know, we're gonna 
we're going to help you with our product or service to achieve this goal and saying it knowingly that you're bullshitting, you're not going to do that. It's very similar. And so, so like we are definitely seeing that trend where organizations want to build better security and want to think about it the right way where they're going to be continually improving their posture and learning. So they don't want autopilot. Absolutely. There's things that should be an autopilot. There's administrative tasks and functions in security and certainly in the audit process that you mm. absolutely want to automate. And, and we have toolage to do that. But there's sections, there's, there's, there's very important aspects. And it's like we were saying before, if the CEO walks away and leaves his confidential information open on his desk and doesn't use encryption on his computer, and you know, he's the exception or she's the exception or just doesn't comply with the, the organization or doesn't like just kind of like, yeah, whatever th those guys in IT deal with it. Like that just Everything resonates so quickly. Down, right? Yeah. It's just, that becomes the organization's stance, right? Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Darren, thank you so much for sharing all behind the scenes of everything that we should know. We should be looking to implement and it's, and scaring us along the way. This has been so much fun to understand that world. So, Hey, Darren, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me. It's been great chat. Oh, you're welcome. Look, if you want to find out more about you and the amazing work that you do, where can they find you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Darren Gallup. There's, I think, two Darren Gallups in the whole entire world. So, uh, and the and the other one is is not doing anything to do with cybersecurity. Um, so I'm easy to find on LinkedIn and social media. Um, you can go to my company's website if you want to learn more about what I'm working on there, which is Carbide Secure. C-A-R-B-I-D-E secure.com. And if you want to hear uh, more about the stuff I'm working on, you can also listen to my podcast, which is called Why I Am Still Awake. And it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, a bunch of the different podcast tools. And I talk about scams and I talk about ways to protect you, yourself, your friends, your family. So uh, very easy person to track down and, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. I always check my messages there as well. And if there's any way uh, I can help anybody, happy to uh, share my thoughts where I can. Awesome. Well, everyone go check that out. And hey, Darren, thank you so much again for, for sharing with us today. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark. Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs>